0: The Apostle Paul. Let's read our text. Ephesians chapter 1, beginning in verse 15. Hear now the word of the true and living God. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which He has called you, what are the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of His power toward us who believe according to the working of His great might. Let us pray. Indeed, Father, since you have enlightened the eyes of our hearts by your Spirit within us, help us to see clearly the things that Paul prayed for, and help this prayer to inform our own prayers to you. We pray this through Christ our Lord. Amen. And prayer is a, a very basic element of the Christian religion, what it means to be a Christian means that you can talk to God as your Father, approach His throne of grace at any time. And you can share with Him the things that are on your heart. Now, of course, just briefly, we are making a distinction between praying as a Christian and praying that takes place by anyone else. Because there are other religions, of course, that pray. Our Muslim friends will pray to Allah our Mormon friends will claim to pray to the same God we do. It's He's not the same God. He is an exalted man. As God once once, we will, uh, now we are, and as God is now, we will be that also. He's an exalted human being, and in fact, there are many gods. Mormonism is polytheistic. <clears throat> Our Jehovah's Witness friends, uh, they also claim to pray to the same one God, but they're Faith is, while it is monotheistic, it is Unitarian. They're not Trinitarian in their belief. They don't believe that Christ is God the Son and that the Holy Spirit is God the Holy Spirit. And there are, of course, other religions that pray to their God. Christian prayer is directed toward God the Father. I do believe you have examples of prayer in the New Testament where... You see someone praying to Jesus, God the Son. I do believe since the Holy Spirit is God and is worthy of all of our worship, it is right for us also to pray to God the Holy Spirit. We do need to be mindful of how we pray. It would be improper to pray to God the Father and thank Him for dying on the cross. The Father did not die on the cross. The Son did. Jesus did. There's a distinction there. The Father sends the Son into the world to die on the cross for our sins. We just sing a song. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And while that is a song that we sing, that's prayer language. We do praise God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit in prayer. And it is right to do that. Here is Paul in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 15, think about what are some of the things that you pray for? We just got done offering a, a prayer to God where we, we prayed for many people concerning their health and well-being. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. It's a good thing. We ought to do that. Is that all we pray for? I especially appreciated the prayer just a moment ago uh, concerning <clears throat> uh, our need to study and, and to read God's Word one of the things that Paul is going to pray for is that God, the Father, would give the spirit of revelation to these Ephesian Christians. And I believe what is intended there is, number one, these are already Holy Spirit indwelt Christians. Remember, we we talked last week about how they already have the Holy Spirit sealing them, the promised Holy Spirit. They already have the Holy Spirit, and yet here is Paul praying that they would have the Spirit even more, and even the Spirit of Revelation because it is the Holy Spirit who is the one who is involved in revealing God's Word to His people. And Since we have all of God's Word contained in our, our Bible, the Scriptures, I think it's right also for us to pray, God, yes, give us the Spirit of Revelation so that we can understand what You have revealed. That's the intention of receiving the Holy Spirit as the spirit of revelation. I'm persuaded. Not that he's going to give new revelation and therefore, you know, I'm, I'm now speaking under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, so someone grab a pin real quick, okay? No, we, we have the complete revelation. We need the Holy Spirit to help us understand it, to uh, awaken it, to help us apply it in new and fresh ways. We face a world that is opposed to us, that is set against us, that is increasingly falling in love with humanism and secularism and materialism and all kinds of other isms. We need the Word of God applied in fresh and new ways. And so we come to God's Word fully aware that this is breathed out, given by God, and we come as Holy Spirit indwelt and Holy Spirit-filled people saying, God, open our eyes to see how this Word is applicable, how you are still speaking even today. Because that is how, by the way, Jesus understood Scripture. <clears throat> have you not read what was spoken to you, he said to the Pharisees in his day? The author of the book of Hebrews talks about how the Holy Spirit says present tense and then quotes from the Psalms. That's the nature of this word, and that is how we have to see it and uh if we're going to be successful in waging war here. <clears throat> Getting ahead of myself here. Verse 15, for this reason. We've spent two weeks working through that reason. Verses 3 through 14. And we, we saw there about the, the work of the triune God before time began, in time, and also the goal in all of human history. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all at work in accomplishing the full counsel of the will of God, even right now, <clears throat> at work, working all things out after the counsel of His will. All of human history, from eternity to eternity, is His story. It's God's story and how He is at work. And so Paul, he, it's as if he takes a step back after this opening uh, doxology, this, this opening uh, uh, praise to God, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord and, uh, Jesus Christ, he takes a step back and and... That word of praise now informs his prayer. It's for this reason. Oh, and, and now he's, he's got to pray. And, and by the way, our praise to God, that ought to issue forth in prayer as well, brothers and sisters. When we stand in awe of the triune God, the one true and only God, and what Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have been doing throughout human history, and what He's been doing on our behalf. Because this isn't just an impersonal thing. Paul personalizes it all throughout this, us, we, us, all this, what he's done on our behalf. Absolutely. Praise to God. And then it issues forth in prayer for this reason. Related to this, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints. Faith and love, also hope is mentioned because uh, back in verse 12, we who were the first to hope in Christ. He's going to talk in verse 18 about the hope of your calling, faith, hope, and love. You recognize that triad that shows up again and again in the New Testament. Here it is in very close context. Your faith, your what you believe and, and your object uh, of your faith is the Lord Jesus Christ. They put their faith in him. We do too. Your faith in the Lord Jesus, and guess what that issues forth in? Your love toward all the saints. What we believe has consequences. How we believe, that informs how we behave. And here is, here is G, uh, Paul talking about your faith in the Lord Jesus. That informs your love for the saints. Do you love His church? Well, that was a good place to say amen. Yeah, we do love that we ought to love one another. Love toward all the saints. Boy, we need that when there are so many who uh, want to hold to the erroneous idea that somehow you can love Jesus while sliding His bride, or you can love God and yet you, you uh, don't have any affection for the Lord Jesus' church. We ought to love the church and our, our faith, it issues forth in that love. One writer put it this way, faith in Christ is only a delusion if it issues not in love for those who are His. Saving faith in Christ and spiritual love for all whom he loves are inseparably connected. That's exactly right. Our faith, our love, our faith informing our love toward all the saints. As we have talked about before, when you are uh, in fellowship with God, that puts you in fellowship with all others who are in fellowship with God. That opens up these horizontal lines of fellowship. We are in communion with one another, and so it is right for us to love the saints. And so, for this reason, that opening word of praise there in verses 13 and 14, also related to that, because I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love to all the saints. Let me just hit the pause button there before we go further. This is one of the verses that may indicate that this is a letter that's intended to circulate throughout all the churches in the Lycus River Valley. Ephesus would have been the first stop in the book tour. And so Ephesus being the port city, the, this letter arrives from Paul. It would have been read in the, Ephes- in the Ephesian church and then made its way to Colossae and Hierapolis and all these other churches in the Lycus River Valley. I, I, I think that's what this letter is. Another way of looking at this is it's been several years since Paul was in Ephesus. He spent a year and a half uh, in, in, in Ephesus. Was it three years? <clears throat> I get those dates confused. Che- Double-check my work. It's in the book of Acts. He spent some time there. And so he would have known these brothers and sisters. But some time has passed. And, I mean, they didn't have cell phones and, and, and instant message and all that stuff back then. And so word finally gets back to him. Maybe it was Takaikus. Maybe it was Epaphras who's named later on in this letter. How are the churches? How are my brothers and sisters doing in Ephesus? Oh, Paul, their faith is It's growing. love one another. And that does his heart good. And and I, I heard about that. Brothers and sisters, it's a good thing for us to grow in the faith. It's a good. Nothing does my heart more joy. Nothing gives the elders hearts more joy than to see our brothers and our sisters maturing in the faith. That's a good thing. So ever since I heard that, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. We ought to pray for one another. Here's Paul praying for his brothers and sisters in Ephesus, giving thanks to God that the Word of God has found good soil there and, and, and it, people believe and, and they're doing what you're supposed to be doing as a Christian and, and I remember you in my prayers. And again, what is it we pray for? What is it Paul prayed for? Again, not to diminish, I, I, we, we pray for everything. But, but here are some things that, that hopefully will, will bolster your prayer life, will give it legs uh, we'll, we'll take it to, to new dimensions, new levels, and here it is, verse, verse 17. Here's the first request. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, he's already said a, a mouthful there with, uh, with the address, as it were, God, the Father, that's who he's addressing here in prayer, but he's the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, and this speaks to the humanity, the human nature of Christ. That uh, he, uh, while he was here on earth and and even now as as he's retained his humanity, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ was God the Father. I mean, who else would it be, right? Would he worship a pagan God? Would he he be a polytheist? Would he be an atheist? No. And so it's natural. The one true and only God would be the God of our Lord Jesus. Jesus Christ, the Father of glory. Now, you need to compare this with other statements like, well, that are addressed about Jesus being the Lord of glory in 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 18, or how the Spirit is the Spirit of glory, 1 Peter 4 and verse 14. You see, the glorious Father and the glorious Lord and the glorious Spirit all share the same glory since all three are the one true and only God, the God of glory. There's at least, by extension, a connection here to the triune God. Now, it's, it's going to be more pronounced here because he's praying to God the Father, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ. We've already made the connection to the deity of Christ. But also, what is it he prays? That he may give you the spirit, and I think it's right to capitalize this S, spirit of wisdom and revelation. Paul's prayer is Trinitarian in nature. Again, that ought to inform our prayer life. We as Christians, we, we worship and we serve the triune God. And so, again, I think it's right for us to make petitions in a Trinitarian way. And that's what Paul is doing here. That He may give you. Well, I thought, aren't they Christians? Don't they already have the Spirit? Yes, the Holy Spirit dwells them. But God continues to give us His Spirit. We continue to receive His Spirit so that we are filled with His Spirit. He's going to talk about being filled with the Spirit in chapter 5. Jesus Himself taught us that we ought to pray to our Father in heaven to give us the Spirit. How much more will He give us the Holy Spirit, He says in Luke chapter 11, and He does. Two things here, the spirit of revelation, the spirit of wisdom. I got it backward there, spirit of wisdom first. And this seems to be a connection back to the book of Isaiah chapter 11. In Isaiah chapter 11, we have a, a messianic text. It's pointing to Christ, to the Messiah. And one of the things that's mentioned here is that the spirit of Yahweh, that's the Holy Spirit, The Spirit of Yahweh shall rest upon Him, that is, upon the Messiah, upon Christ. Notice the Spirit of wisdom. And what is resting upon Christ is also resting upon His followers. That same Spirit of wisdom is ours. Brothers and sisters, we need that spirit of wisdom now more than ever. I mentioned it earlier. We live in a world that is fleeing as fast as it can from the wisdom of God. So much so that everything's topsy-turvy. We, people have trouble even defining, what's a woman? They have trouble even, what, basic questions about being a human. What is a human being? Well, I don't want to offend anybody, so I better not answer that in a way that's going to be offensive. To the point that we eventually get to the point we can't even define basic terminology. The fear of Yahweh is the beginning of wisdom. When there's no fear of God before a person's eyes, before a people's eyes, what should we expect? There's not going to be any wisdom. There's going to be folly and foolishness. And that's exactly what we see in the world. So long as you remain disconnected from Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge... All you're going to have is folly and foolishness. That folly, that that foolishness, it only gives way to scoffing and the Proverbs. Go back and read the Proverbs and everything it says about the scoffers. It's Not a good place to be. You end up as a scoffer and you're fleeing from correction. We need the spirit of wisdom, but it begins with the fear of the Lord. That's the beginning of understanding. That's the beginning of wisdom. It begins with Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And now we see also the Spirit is the one who gives wisdom. Any of you lack wisdom? Ask God. He gives it generously. So says James. And he does it through his Spirit. But also the Spirit of revelation. I've already talked about that just briefly. And that's since he's the one who revealed the Word, he's the one who enlightens our hearts and enlightens our minds so that we can see it clearly. One of the first works that God does in a benighted heart is to take away that darkness and to give light to the understanding. Uh, without that uh, light and the understanding, we remain in darkness. But it's for a purpose, and it's for the goal, that, that God may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him. You want to know Him? You, we, we come to know God better when we converse with Him in prayer, when we talk to Him. And we make petitions like this, God, Father, give me that spirit of wisdom and of revelation. Help me so that I can know what your word says, and I can make it clear to other people who who are trapped in the folly of sin and the folly of their lostness. Verse 18, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. And again, that's that's the work that God does. You don't light up your own heart. Uh, you don't, you don't, you're blind. You, you don't cause yourself to see. It's God who gives you these new eyes that can see. It's God who shines light on the eyes of our hearts. And he does that again by his spirit. And part of the enlightening, there's, there's three more requests in verses, the rest of verse 18 and into verse 19. Total of four requests here. The, uh, give us the Spirit, right? Give us your your Holy Spirit. But now that our eyes are enlightened by that Spirit of wisdom and revelation, that you may know some things. Again, Christianity it's it's certainly a religion of faith. But faith is not just the sleep in the dark. We believe and know. And here, that you may know. Three things. Number one, what is the hope to which He has called you? It's God who does the calling, calls through the gospel, through His word. His word goes out into the world and calls to all people, all tribes and languages and nations. As His word goes out, there are people who answer that call, who hear the call and they hear the sweet music of the gospel and they they are called here to this hope. And hope is not what we think of when we hope, like, uh, you know, gee, I... I I sure hope I get that raise at work, or, or I, I sure hope thus and such, right, which is just it's wishful thinking. Hope, biblically, is the confident expectation that God is going to deliver on His Word. you got a whole book of promises that He has been faithful to. He's made some more promises that are contained in Christ. And you better believe, as He cashed all those checks in the past, He's going to cash each one of these checks every day of the week and twice on Sunday. This is the hope to which we've been called. We can know that hope. It's related to what we talked about last week in verses 13 and 14 about the hope of our inheritance, looking through the window of the future. And our glorious inheritance that when this is all done, we get God and we get heaven and we get the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and we get to, to enjoy them forever. Enjoy God forever. What a glorious hope to which we've been called. More than that, what is the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints? Saints are Christians. I talked about this before a couple, a few weeks ago. Uh, saints are not just super Christians who did really cool stuff and, and they got some kind of blessing on them and the rest of us are just trying to catch up. All Christians are saints. All saints are Christians. That's the way God has set it up. We're all called to be holy unto God. We've all been set apart to serve God. That's what it means to be a saint. And so that's the saints. But notice this. It's His, God's glorious inheritance in us. You ever think about that? What does God get when all this is done? I mean, I know what we get when it's all said and done. And man, that's awesome. What does God get out of this? You ready? He gets you. He gets you. He gets you. He gets me. And it's even, it's even more convicting when we think of all of our own folly. Because we came out of that darkness. We, we, we had to have the heart surgery where a heart of stone was taken out and a heart of flesh was put in. We had to have our minds enlightened. And, and, but before that and even after that, as Christians, we still struggle with the world and the flesh. And, and, and in spite of all that stuff, all that sin, all those trespasses. Man, when we hit chapter 2, he's really going to nail this stuff down. But we were by nature children of wrath. And he called us and made us children of glory, children of his. Why? To the praise of his glory. To the praise of his glorious grace. It's not because you were better or smarter or more spiritual or It's because of his great love for us. That's why. And he gets us when all this is said and done. And don't miss this. Because how did Paul describe it? The riches of his glorious inheritance. Nothing should give us a better sense of our own self-identity than to realize That God's inheritance is not one of holes in the knees and in the elbows, rags and all this stuff. His glorious inheritance, which is us, is rich. It is a rich inheritance. That's who we are as His people, brothers and sisters. One more request in verse 19. What is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might and again he's as paul typically does he's just set a mouthful paul ransacks the greek language in order to bring all as many terms as he can as many words as he can he brings to bear in order to describe the all-powerful God, to describe the power of God, how do you describe it? Well, it's not just power. I mean, it is, but it's, it's more than that. And it's not just the greatness of His power. I mean, that, that alone, right? That, that's even greater than just power. It's the greatness of His power. It's the immeasurable greatness of His power so powerful, you can't even measure it. You go to the carnival, and they have those, those machines that, that you get. It's a punching bag, and you can punch it and just put all your body into it. It measures how, how powerful your punch is. Uh, God says, uh, no, I don't need that because you can't make a machine that, that calculates how powerful I am, the immeasurable greatness of his power. And it's a good thing, too, because he's got his work cut out for each one of us sinners. No, did you catch it? It's, it's the power toward us who believe according to the working of His great power. You know how much power God had to exert in order to bring each one of us dead sinners back to spiritual life? Well, it's kind of like the power that He exerted when He raised Jesus from the dead. In fact, that's the same power. You see in verse 20, and we'll pick this up next week, but the same power that was used and exerted in order to bring Christ back from the dead, to raise Him from the dead. That is the same power that is at work in order to bring us back to spiritual life when we were dead in our trespasses and sins. Same power. And this power is still at work. Because we are the way this is structured we are the ones believing it's a, it's a present reality that he's still working his power in us because if if even for a moment he stopped working that marvelous gracious power in our lives we'd be we're like a car with a bad alignment problem heading right back for the ditch Peter gets rather graphic with it, doesn't he? In 2 Peter chapter 2, what's it like when when someone who's mm, tasted the goodness of God, who once has been enlightened to go back to that same darkness? It's kind of like a dog returning to its vomit. It's kind of like the pig that returns back to wallow in the mire that it was in. Now we, we thank God for this power. And, and each one of these requests, that you may know the hope to which He's called you. Can we fully know it? Not this side of eternity. Not until we fully get there and experience it. But to know it and to pray for that? Yeah. To know the riches of His glorious inheritance of His saints. Can, can we fully know that? Well, no, not until we're there, but we pray to know it. And to know the immeasurable greatness of His. Can we fully know that which is immeasurable? (laughs) No. And yet we pray, God, let me know. I want to know it. Again, that, that power that's at work within us. One writer put it this way Little do people imagine what power is necessary to affect the salvation of their souls. His power was at work when we were converted. Again, when we, when we first believed, took out that heart of stone, put in a heart of flesh. Gave us eyes to see and ears to hear. Took away the futility of our thinking, put us in our right minds. That hard, stone, that heart, hard heart of stone, He melted. All these terms that are used even in Ephesians, and we'll run into them as we go along, to bring us from spiritual death to spiritual life. But then again, that power is still going on in our sanctification. He's still exerting His power to make us holy unto Him. He's still exerting His power so that we no longer love the things that we once loved. Instead, we love new things. We have new desires, new affections. And then one day, He'll exert that power in glory. And for we who believe, He'll take this body of dust and He'll exchange it, give us a new body, a spiritual body. That is a body that's powered by the Spirit to live with Him forever. Every step of the way. It's no wonder Christ is called the author and finisher of our faith because every step of the way, right? I think I've talked about this before, you know that that poem, footprints, and people you know put it on artwork and put it up in their 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 house and things like that. And you know the poem goes along and it's uh, talking about this person. They've they, they've come into glory and they're reviewing their life and it's as if they're they're walking on the sands of the seashore. And uh, every now and again, there's two sets of footprints, but every now and again, uh, the, there's only one set of footprints. And the, the person is asking God, God, wh- how come how come during these times, there's only one set of footprints. How come you left me and, and God says to it's, you've got it twisted. No, it's, it's at those times that I carried you. And there's some, there's some value to that. But the fact of the matter is, he carries us every step of the way. There's only one set of footprints for us. If we tried to walk, we, we're going off in all different directions. Carry us, Father. And help us to know the greatness of your power. Let's pray. Indeed, Father, we do pray. Give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in knowledge of you so that we may know the hope to which you've called us, the riches of your glorious inheritance in us, and what is the immeasurable greatness of your power toward us who believe. We pray this through Christ our Lord. Amen.